I tried to tell everyone. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Locked On Nittany Lions is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between Penn State and Ohio State right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. My name is Zach Seiko. Penn State is victorious over Minnesota 45-17. In this episode, I am going to share my overall takeaways to start. Also get into the stats from the offense and defense And then through this week, we'll recap the game in full and preview Ohio State. That is a big one. That is something that could turn the season around for Penn State. It is definitely not a favorable matchup for the Nittany Lions. Overall takeaways, 45-17, Penn State scored more points than I was giving them credit for. But at the end of the day, the Nittany Lions controlled from start to finish. Uh, It was a slow start, don't get me wrong, but Penn State did pretty well attacking the Minnesota Golden Gophers, at the end of the day, they just overmatched them. They just overpowered them. But let's start from the beginning. I was, I guess I wasn't shocked to say the least, uh, but the booing of Sean Clifford and James Franklin is just downright disrespectful. This team was 5-1 and one and number 16 coming into a whiteout game. And you booed him. You booed both of them. They're 6-1. and And now they're number 13 in the AP Top 25 in the coaches poll. That's, if you booed, you're ungrateful. That's really what it comes down to, is you're ungrateful. How about Texas A&M? How are the Aggies doing? Well, they're 3-4. and And they're 1-3 and in the SEC. And head coach Jimbo Fisher has a $95 million buyout. It sounds like maybe you should go root for them because I'll take the Nittany Lions at 6-1 and one in the driver's seat still for their season with everything in front of them, right? Now, do I expect Penn State to go 11-1, and one, win the Big Ten East, and get to the Big Ten title game? No, but let's go back to 2016. They lost to Michigan 49-10. It was a blowout. That Minnesota game came up next. It was a get-right spot for Penn State, and they won 29-26 in overtime. Those were two very different teams. Trace McSorley was the quarterback. Saquon Barkley was the running back. Chris Godwin, Mike Kosicki were your receiving targets. I get it. It was a different season. But they were 2-2 at the time, and they just came off that bad loss to Michigan. They weren't even ranked. This team is in the top 15 And you're booing Sean Clifford and James Franklin for what? So you have to go perfect? I I get it. National titles, national championships are what you're seeking after. At least a college football playoff berth. But man, if this team goes 10-2 and and gets to a New Year's Six Bowl, I really don't know how you can complain. Especially with what other schools are dealing with and having down seasons. Other overall takeaways, Mike Yersich, offensive coordinator for Penn State, remembered that he has two other very talented tight ends. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren each had a touchdown, and Tyler Warren opened up that 
scoring. It was 3-3, three to three, and he had the first touchdown of the game, which was pretty neat. I know those guys are battling back from injury, so if they are 100% now, they certainly looked like it on Saturday against Minnesota. Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen looked like themselves again. No Kevon Lee. Kevon Lee did not play in the game. However, he was suited up. He did go through warm-ups. He was on the sideline. Uh, if you go to his Twitter, his social media, it looks like he's still invested into the team. There was that buildup. Okay, is he available at practice? What is he doing? Is he going to quit? Because Tank Smith saw those last reps at running back. They heavily relied on Singleton and Allen throughout the game. And, it, and it's a little concerning because... What does that mean for the running back room? What does that mean for the depth chart? Kevon Lee, if he were to step away from the program like a Devin Ford and a Keziah Holmes who did it a little bit earlier, I mean, that is that is big because not that I don't trust Tank Smith to be a, a solid running back, but if Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen go down, you're starting to get into uncharted waters here, okay? Singleton and Allen have remained healthy for the most part. I, you just want to have a nice group of running backs that can at least be ready to go into action at a moment's notice. And to lose Keziah Holmes, Devin Ford, and possibly Kevon Lee at the moment. Kevon Lee's still on the team. He gave it a go, at least in warm-up. So it seems like he's dealing with an injury because... Landon Tangwall didn't play in the game, and Tangwall was not seen at practice on Wednesday when the media were allowed to attend. Nobody questioned if he had quit the team, right? Hunter Norzad played a solid game at left guard. I've actually been very impressed with Hunter Norzad since he's returned from injury, and that was a good get in the transfer portal. No Chop Robinson as well. That was pretty notable. Defensive line was solid. They, again, have been good in run defense, and they helped out a lot, holding Mo Ibrahim to three and a half yards per carry, just very well below his season clip, averaging about 5.96 yards per carry. Uh, the defensive line didn't need Chop Robinson in this one, and hopefully he's ready to go for Ohio State. Something else I noticed, mentioned the offensive line with Hunter Norzad being out there, and no Landon Tangwall. How about the other guard spot? Sal Wormley was not in the game for the first, a good portion of it to start. Then Caden Wallace went down with an injury, did not return, and Sal Wormley was back out onto the field. Bryce Efner was in his spot the whole time, and then they had to move Bryce Efner out to right tackle when Caden Wallace went down. That is pretty intriguing, if I'm being honest. I don't know if, remember when Catron Allen missed the first half against Northwestern, and then all of a sudden he took the first snaps in the second half. That had to be disciplinary, okay? You you don't just miss the whole first half, and then you come in. I have a feeling that Bryce Efner outplayed Sal Wormley and took his spot at right guard, and the offensive line, I, I think it had to do with the fact that Minnesota just doesn't have the greatest pass rush, but Sean Clifford was actually able to sit in the pocket for the longest that I've seen. Right, He didn't get happy feet. He didn't scramble out. He was actually able to sit and go through his progressions. And maybe that's just kind of coming off of Michigan where, yeah, that internal clock was going off pretty quickly for Sean Clifford. But he was actually able to sit there in the pocket and read the defense as the play was going on. And that was something different. And it was when Wallace was at right tackle. 
and Efner was at guard. I mean, maybe it was disciplinary, but I have a feeling that James Franklin and Phil Troutwine had benched Sal Wormley and came back in, and I didn't really notice much of a drop-off when they moved Efner to right tackle, brought Wormley back in at right guard, but it, it was just very interesting for someone that's had a lot of praise, uh, has been compared to some NFL talent, should be selected when he does enter the NFL draft, and he was benched. At least that's my hunch. And back to Minnesota, they were just outmatched by Penn State. I said on Friday's episode, feel free to go back and listen to it. I mean, the preview uh, isn't as important as it was then, but Minnesota just didn't have the horses to keep up with Penn State in this race. The Nittany Lions were just better overall. I don't think the quarterback mattered in this game, whether it was Kaliak Manis, who was the starter in this game because Tanner Morgan couldn't go. Tanner Morgan's played, I think he was 45 consecutive starts for Minnesota. So that streak came to an end. That's Minnesota's version of Sean Clifford, uh, if you will. Uh, is great at his at, at moments and sometimes does struggle. But I don't know that the Golden Gopher fans boo him, uh, especially if the team's doing well. I get it if the team was under 500 and they were just having an abysmal season. They were five and one and 16 in that moment. And you said, "No, I, I don't really, I don't really like this. I don't really care. I'm gonna boo." Uh, it didn't matter. If Morgan was in, if Callie McManus was in, if Kramer, the third-string quarterback, was in, Penn State was going to win this game and win it decisively. Minnesota had a better chance, but the biggest reason was Penn State was able to effectively sell out for the run, which they did. And I'll get into it a little bit more with the defense itself in the final segment of this episode. Uh, Minnesota did have success on the ground. They ran it a whole bunch, so yeah, you are going to get some yards, but Penn State was able to throw nine people up to the line of scrimmage. They were able to confuse the backup quarterback, and the wide receivers for Minnesota rarely were getting open. And that was just the fact of the matter. Minnesota's wide receivers were not good. Penn State was able to get the lead, follow the game script that they like, and that's how the Nittany Lions came out on top. When we return here on Locked on Nittany Lions, we'll talk about the offense, the stats, how they were able to accomplish things against Minnesota. That is all next. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, It has to be Tyler Warren's 38-yard score, which was the first touchdown of the game between Penn State and Minnesota. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, Penn State 45, Minnesota 17. Penn State is now 13th in the AP Top 25 in the coaches poll. And let's look at some of those offensive stats for the Nittany Lions. Penn State's Sean Clifford. After all of the boos, and man, did he deserve them, you know? A, a quarterback that's able to go out there and after throwing an early game interception, turns around and throws for 295 passing yards, 
four touchdowns, and completes 23 of 31 passes for a 74.2 completion percentage. That was a rough day. You know, maybe he did deserve those boos. I, I'm kind of at a loss for words, to be honest. Sean Clifford, the fact that he's endured all of this and everything, I mean, it, it shows that he's a leader, he's a veteran, because... Yeah, you do have a five-star quarterback behind you. Yeah, you could fold under the pressure, and frankly, I think he's handled it well. This is his best season, whether that's because we've had low expectations as Penn State fans or because in the season's past, maybe he hasn't been all that good, but this is Sean Clifford's best season in his final year at Penn State. Drew Aller was one for two, nine, nine passing yards, completed that lone pass, didn't really factor in much. Came in the game, eight minutes to go, so good for him to get experience in his first ever whiteout. Back to the booze for Sean Clifford because I can't help myself. And yeah, there's probably people listening to this podcast that are saying, you know, you defend him quite a bit. And I, I, I'm going to because Penn State is 6-1. and one. If they were 1-6, and six, it would be different. And I would call for the freshman quarterback. If they were 3-3, three and three, I think I'd be calling for the freshman. But they are 6-1. and one. They are top 15, and they will most likely play in a New Year's Six Bowl at the end of the day. Let's bring in the recruits, right? I think about 100 plus, at least, at a minimum, there were 100 recruits on the sideline on Saturday against Minnesota. Saw the whiteout, incredible atmosphere. Do you think that, how did, how did that sit with them? If they heard all of those boos for a quarterback that's, led the team the way he has and has been here for six years and given his heart and soul to the program at a very minimum. And then James Franklin, who's been here for nine years and has gotten to the Big Ten Championship, won that Big Ten Championship, got to the Rose Bowl, won a Cotton Bowl, uh, been to multiple New Year's Six Bowls, multiple double-digit win seasons. And all those 2023, 2024, 2025 recruits, I, I hope they didn't take note of it because it's embarrassing. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And it's like, well, is that going to happen to me? If I come here, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to get booed at the end of my career when I'm a senior after all the hard work and effort that I put in? I think that's a, an important point to consider. And if Penn State's going to continue to try to be in the spot that you want them to be, in the college football playoff conversation and the national title conversation, you need to be able to secure those recruits. So it definitely didn't have an, a positive impact on them, okay? It it either had no effect or it had a negative one. I don't think any recruit came back here and said, you know what, I really like that they booed Sean Clifford and the head coach that I would be playing under. That was that was cool. I hope to, I hope to see that again sometime. I hope to be a part of that. I just I just hope they disregard it. Sean Clifford on the season now, 1,445 yards, 13 touchdown passes to three interceptions, has 17 total on the season. Pretty good touchdown to interception ratio. He's not turning the ball as frequent turning the ball over as frequently. No fumbles by Sean Clifford either. Uh, so I will take that through seven games because that's about a half an interception per game on average. John Clifford improved in that category in the offseason. Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen. Singleton had 79 yards on the ground, the two rushing touchdowns. But if I'm being honest, I think that Catron Allen had the better day. 15 carries, 77 yards. Now Singleton in the passing game 
also had two catches for 28 yards. Allen had three receptions, 13 receiving yards. That's just my opinion. It's cool. It's flashy to get the touchdowns. Nicholas Singleton, damn, is he fast. Like, he is a true speed back. You give him an extra half second, he is ready to get by you. But Catron Allen is still, like, you need a guaranteed five yards, you go to Catron Allen. There's still points in time where Singleton's one-on-one with a linebacker, and he just can't break free. He tries to run past them, and that's okay. That's his game. But Catron Allen just understands a little bit better the flow of the game, has some natural instincts, waits for the play to develop, and like I said, if it comes down to a third and four, they're going to Catron Allen more often than not than Nicholas Singleton, which is fine. And any of those guys can show out on a given day. I don't need them to, you know, one of them to be, uh, or them to be the same, right? Even though they have been these past few games, they've gotten equal amounts of touches. They're 79 rushing yards to 77 uh, for Singleton and Allen, respectively. The difference was the two touchdowns for, for Singleton, and that's that burst that he has. On the receiving end, oh, it's great to see it. Theo Johnson, five receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Yes, the second tight end was leading the team in receiving something that I have been harping on all along. When are you going to get a former four-star, a former top-of-the-nation tight end recruit involved in the passing game? You didn't bring him in here to block. You brought him in here to catch the football. 75 yards. A best for Penn State against Minnesota. Parker Washington, seven catches, led the team there. 70 yards and that, man, that jump ball, that 50-50 ball. That's, you see guys that are 6'4", 6'5", go up and get that. He played like he was 6'4", 6'5", to jump up and go get that ball in the end zone. He's got fly paper for hands. Mitchell Tinsley had four receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown, which was great. And this is the veteran experience of Sean Clifford, recognizing that Minnesota's defense is all out of sorts. Mitchell Tinsley has nobody on him and goes up tempo and finds him there. Tyler Warren had the one reception, 38 yards for the touchdown. It was the first touchdown of the game. Harrison Trey Wallace. Trey Wallace had one catch, 17 yards. And Brenton Strange was the quietest among the tight ends. One catch, five yards. Collectively, the receivers put up 24 catches, 304 yards, and four touchdowns. As you can see, the offense had an incredible performance. This is the third time that Penn State has gone over 40 points in a game against an opponent. You had Ohio, and then Auburn, and now Minnesota, and this is the fifth game that they've gone over 30 points for the season. How'd the defense do? That's next here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. This is an actual customer review. Pamela would hide in the office bathroom every 30 minutes to dry off her armpits so no one would see the wet circles underneath her arms. She finally has her life back because of Sweatblock. Pamela was able to fix her problem with Sweatblock. Sweatblock gives you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat. The sweat block wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters. If you or someone you love is experiencing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock and save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. Welcome back. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. 
From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. The defense and the special teams, how'd they do against Minnesota? Curtis Jacobs led the way with 14 tackles. I mean, he had a hell of a game. He was able to do so many things defensively. He was able to track down Mohamed Ibrahim and the defensive line when taking on those double teams. Curtis Jacobs corrected his mistakes. He was over-pursuing at times against Michigan and just had a better overall game. So that that is the true testament of a really good player. When you have a performance one week, you're able to look at those mistakes correct them and take them over into the next game and make them better and that's exactly what Jacobs did had two tackles for a loss Abdul Carter was second on the team in tackles with eight saw a lot more playing time in this game and that was an important switch Abdul Carter saw time at the Mike linebacker not all linebacker positions are equal it's like the wide receiver positions for Penn State you can't just line up yes yes they will move across the field and line up in different formations but each receiver position has different concepts, different routes, and you can't just plug whichever guys into those spots. They have to be training at that specific position. So they looked at Abdul Carter and they said, hey, you, you got to learn how to be the quarterback of the defense in the next six days. And I think he rose to the occasion because they moved Tyler Elsden to the weak side linebacker, the on-ball linebacker, and that's probably the best group that you're going to get. Kobe King, I think, did well. Also, he had three tackles, but the linebackers showed so much improvement in just a span of a week. Jair Brown had seven tackles. Six of them were solo, so he was a one-man wrecking machine. Adisa Isaac had five and a QB hurry. Also, a half tackle for a loss. Tyler Elsden, as mentioned, three tackles, one tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hurry. Only one sack by the Penn State defense, and that was a half sack combined with Daquan Hardy and Abdul Carter. They combined together to get Ethan Kaliak Manis. Penn State's defense also forced a turnover. That was Jair Brown who had an interception. It looked like Kalen King and the Minnesota wide receiver got their legs tangled. I was waiting for the referees to get trigger happy and throw out a flag. They did not and Jair Brown was able to come away with an interception. The category he led the nation in last season. On the special teams, Jake Pinnaker had one field goal, made it, and made all six extra points. So he was responsible for nine points in the game, did not miss. Jake Pinnaker, we've also seen him a little more in kickoffs. That's an important note. Gabe Wosu was out there, but it seems like Penn State has finally settled in that category at kicker. And Barney Amore, just because of how great his performances have been through the first five weeks, Amore had four punts for 169 yards. No punts inside the 20 this time. His longest was 48. Was it his best performance? No, but it was still it was still decent, I thought. Again, Penn State winning 45 to 17 over Minnesota. Minnesota was held in check. These are some of the stats from the Golden Gophers. How about limiting the quarterback play? Kaliak Manis, 9 of 22. 175 yards, one touchdown pass, one interception. On the ground, Penn State able to contain Minnesota's rushing attack, which had 30 carries and 102 yards and a touchdown from Mo Ibrahim. That's 3.3 yards per carry. Not all that great. 
Callie McManus showed that he can run a little bit, seven carries for 45 yards, and Bryce Williams and Trey Potts didn't do anything else to contribute. Uh, the leading receiver was Span Ford, the tight end, five catches, 68 yards, one touchdown. It was pretty neat when he put that hurdle on Penn State's defense. That was probably the biggest play, but only four players from Minnesota had a reception. Penn State's secondary, top five in the country at a very minimum. I would argue that they are one of the best, if not the best, and it showed against Minnesota's inferior talent at wide receiver. Defensively, as mentioned before, Minnesota really wasn't able to get all that pressure, and it showed. They had no sacks. That pass rush was non-existent against Penn State. Uh, Sure, they had a couple of quarterback curries. They actually had two from the same player. Penn State might have something with that line combination where Hunter Norzad is in at left guard, Efner at right guard, and Caden Wallace at right tackle, and it's still yet to be seen if that's going to be a season-ending injury or a week-to-week type of thing. So now, most importantly, Penn State is 6-1 on the season. They also improved to 3-1 inside of the Big Ten with that lone loss coming to Michigan, and they are 13th in the AP Top 25, and the coaches pull Ohio State on Saturday. That is the big game. It is a noon kickoff from Beaver Stadium. It's a stripe out. You could have made it a pseudo whiteout had you not decided to give it a theme because I don't know that the stripe out's going to be all that intimidating to Ohio State. Um, the whiteout is, and I think that fans would have just dressed in all white had you not given the game a theme. Nevertheless, Penn State is a 13.5 point underdog at the opening line in Vegas to Ohio State, and the total has been set at 55. So Penn State is a two touchdown underdog to the Buckeyes on Saturday. Let's see if that changes in either direction, if betters get a hold of that early. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. And throughout the week, we're going to continue to break down and analyze this win against Minnesota, plus previewing Ohio State. We'll have a Locked On crossover as well. All this week in anticipation for the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions on Saturday. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Everyday host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That is Locked On Big Ten.